thank you for your love, your expressions of love to us, uh, especially the, this past month. You've just been amazing in uh, just letting us know uh, how much you uh, appreciate us, and, and let me tell you that we appreciate you. Uh, I do count it a privilege to be able to, to serve as your pastor for as long as I have, and uh, I, I love it here. I love my, ch- I love my church. I brag about you uh, in private and in public, and, uh, and I mean it, <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you so much. So thank you for your expressions of love. I love being able to work with uh, Nicole and Jonathan. What a combination they are in the office. And wow, it has, it has been a joy uh, just having this team. I love this team so much. And um, also, thank you so much for those of you who helped in any way to make yesterday such a great success. I'm getting a little bit of a ring here, Chuck. I'm probably a little bit louder than what you thought I'd be. Sorry. And um, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, wow, to have Cookie Monster at the entrance of our uh, church yesterday and various strangers honking, uh, it, it was just... It was awesome, and uh, uh, there were a number of people that were just really, really blessed uh, yesterday, so thank you so much for that. Now you pray for us, okay, because a week from tomorrow, registration for the giveaway begins. Okay, and for those of you who don't know what the giveaway is, we basically transformed this entire building into something that it doesn't look like right now, and uh, we literally give away. All kinds of stuff, toys, clothing, groceries, appliances, uh, household items, you name it, we've given it away over the years. And we try to bless people materially, but we also share Christ with them uh, before they go shopping. And last year, we saw over 100 people make decisions for Jesus Christ at this very event. Yeah, God's good. God is good. And... I really believe that this might, again, be the largest giveaway we've ever had. And uh, I'm excited about that. And so you pray for us. And in any way that you can uh, help, in any way at all, to make this a great success, God will use you. And he appreciates that. We appreciate that. And I can't wait. It's going to be, it's, <laughs> it's going to be tiring. It's going to be good. Can you say Amen. All right. Who's tired today? I I had to double check and see who said that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, thank God you're getting an extra hour of sleep next week, but I'll work a little bit harder today. Okay. Does that sound good? So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. And while everyone's turning there or clicking there, I definitely am thrilled to see all of our guests that are here today as well. Thank you for visiting with us. I pray that you've already sensed God's presence here. Uh, in, in a great way through his people and through his spirit. And now uh, we're going to dig into God's word. And how many of you know it's God's word that changes lives? Amen. Amen. So we've been doing a series uh, this past month. We started it on uh, the story of Elijah, the story of Elijah. And what's interesting is that uh, the story of Elijah is kind of confined just to a few chapters in the Old Testament. But each of these stories that we read about Elijah are pretty powerful. 
And when we left off last week, last week seems like a year ago to me, but here we go. When we left off last week, Elijah had moved from the the brook where he basically had, remember this, his own personal DoorDash, right? Ravens were bringing him food, and uh, he had his own brook that he could drink water from. And then when that dried up, God led him, and that's last week's message, to a widow who was gathering sticks for her last meal. And we talked about what it was like when you've lost hope and you're gathering sticks and how Jesus shows up at just the right time. We're going to pick up now where that story left off. Because, uh, and and in fact, we're going to continue with that widow because something takes place here that could really rock a lot of people's faith in this story. We're, we're, we're going to start in verse 15 of 1 Kings 17, okay? And I want to share a message that I've simply entitled, uh, Surviving the Setback. Surviving the Setback. Anybody ever have things going really well, and then all of a sudden, ooh, where'd this come from? A setback kind of a hurdle, kind of a difficulty, kind of a crisis comes. And, and, and we're going to find that this same widow who experienced a miracle later had a setback. What do you do when you have a setback? Especially when you just saw God do something special for you not too long ago. I think this could be helpful to some people. Amen? So if you're able to, could you stand with me in honor of God's word as we take a look at this together? If you don't have your Bible, or maybe you've just dropped it, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen with me. (laughs) Timing was great, Will. I had to do it. I'm so sorry. So let's pick up from the end of last week's story. You ready? Look at verse 15. It says this, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So far, so good, right? Look at verse 17 now. Here's where we start with the new story. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. And he took him from her arms and he carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow that I am staying with by causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. 
Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Lord, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Let's talk about surviving the setback. So Jesus, I pray that this passage of scripture would would just come alive and really meet us where we're at spiritually, emotionally, in every way, Lord God. And Lord, I ask you that your word would speak to us in a, in a powerful way today. And God, I pray that we'd walk out of here changed and encouraged and strengthened. Because that's what your word does. So have your way, I pray, Jesus. In your name, and we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Surviving the setback. Now, I've said this often. I'm going to say it again. If somebody tried to tell you that once you decided to follow Jesus, that everything would be easy (laughs) and you would have no problems, I am here to tell you that it only probably took you about a day or two to figure out that that is not correct. How many of you would say, yeah, I, I, I believe that. You can say amen to that. In fact, it's a fact of life. It's not only a fact of life, but it's a fact from the Word of God that we will face difficulty. Jesus even said it in John 16, verse 33. He's talking to his disciples, and he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. That is nobody's life verse today, right? So in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have difficulty, you'll have crisis, you'll have setbacks. And what's unique in this situation here is that the, the, the mother in this story the, the, the woman who uh, is having this terrible tragedy had recently seen God do a powerful miracle for her. If you missed last week, she's, because there's a famine, she's getting ready to make her last meal for her and her son. She says, I'm going to make this, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. I mean, that's what she said. And then Elijah said, no, don't do that. Tell you what, make me some bread and do what I say and and you will never run out of flour again, and you're never going to run out of oil, and it was true. And so God provided, in the midst of a famine, God provided her and Elijah and her son with all the food that they would need in the midst of all of that. So how many of you would say, that's a pretty good Sunday, right? (laughs) That's a pretty good day. When God supplies you with everything you need, and the flour doesn't run out, and the oil doesn't run out, that's good. So she has experienced this. I'm looking at a bunch of people here today that have experienced God doing some good things in your life. There are people in here, I know that God has healed you before. God has answered your prayers before. God has restored you before. God has come through for you before. You have seen the goodness of God. You have seen God come through for you in the past. He has done his thing in your life. But what do you do when after that, 
a setback happens. See, you can be full of faith and power when God's answering your prayers. But then, when something bad happens to you, hallelujah. Now, how do you respond to that? And, and, and you know better than to walk away from God. Or you should know better. And let me just pause here and say that, that if all it takes for you to distance yourself from God is a crisis or a setback or some kind of difficulty, I promise you that will come up in your life time again and time and again and time and again because the enemy knows exactly how to defeat you. And until we learn how to survive the setbacks in our lives God's way, then we'll never succeed as followers of Christ. So what do we do when tragedy hits, even even when we've seen the goodness of God? What do we do when the setback comes? When when tragedy and, 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 and setbacks strike, I would tell you this, it's important that you have the correct view of God. I want you to look at the screen real close again. Because what often happens, what I have seen, is that when difficulty comes or with any kind of trouble comes our way, oftentimes what takes place is that our view of God becomes a little bit out of focus. Our, our, our picture of God is messed up. We all of a sudden see him as somebody whom he is not. Let me say that again. Sometimes when setbacks come and tragedy comes, sometimes then, as a result of that, our view of God becomes distorted and we start to see God in a way that he truly isn't. And then what happens? Then you see yourself in a way that's false. Then you see your circumstance in a way that is false. And then you see the church in a way that is false. And I will tell you that it all started by having a distorted view of God when the setback came. And so Elijah, in the midst of this setback, this tragedy, this crisis, he actually saw God for who he was in some unique ways. Now, when I say that, for example, when you look at me, most of you are looking at me as as a pastor or a preacher, okay? But I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I used to be a coach. I used to be a model. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, maybe a Bubba Weekly, but that's about it. Um, Okay, but... There, there's, okay, that wasn't that funny, okay? <laughs> you're right, you are you're disgusting. Um, so uh, when, when somebody sees me and somebody looks at me, that I, I, I am viewed in different ways. To some, I'm a friend. To some, I'm an acquaintance. And you get the picture, right? Well, Elijah, in the midst of this setback, in the midst of this tragedy, he, 
he saw God in what I would say are some really important ways. The same ways I think we need to see God when tragedy comes. May I share those with you here today? If you said no, you're stuck. Uh, Number one, number one. We're going to pick up where the end of the story was last week. He saw, number one, he saw God as provider. He saw God as a provider. He saw that God took care of him. How many of you know that God takes care of you? Can you say amen? Now, again, look, at, look again at verses 15 and 16 because this is significant, okay? They're ready to starve to death, the mom and the son, And then Elijah gives this word from the Lord for this woman, just obey this and this will happen. And look what happened. She went away. She did as Elijah had told her. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. May I remind you again, the first thing you got to remember is what does the word of God have to say about my situation here? I love how this is phrased. It was the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah that caused this woman to do what she had to do. Hear me today. When we are facing setbacks and when we are facing trials and we're facing difficulties, it is important that we hearken back to what does the word of God have to say to me today? What is God saying about me? What is God saying about my situation? What does God have to say to me today? Here's a great verse for you in the subject of Jesus being our provider. Paul said this. He said, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet all my needs. He will. Now, he doesn't always meet my greed but he will meet my need. He knows what I need. I dare say that little Savannah's mother probably is saying, I don't know that she needs 333 pieces of candy. And our great, our wonderful father, sometimes we want things, and he's like, you know, I know what you need, Phil. And that's what I want to provide for you. In fact, you might have it scripted out as to what you want, but I know what you need. Parents and grandparents, we know what that's like, don't we? When, when, when our kids or grandkids approach us and say, I need this, I want this, and we know what they really need. Now, ever since Huda has come into my life... <laughs> She gets everything she wants from me. <laughs> but how many of you know, God is not a grandpa who spoils his kids. Let me say that again. And some of you wish he were. But God is not a grandpa who spoils his kids. He gives you what you need. Can you say amen? But the same God, the same God who met your needs before, is the same God who could do it again. The same God who healed you once before is the same God that can heal you again. The same God that restored your family and your relationships and your job before is the same God that could do it all again. My God is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. And so he is able to do what I ask him to do according to his word because God and his word never change. And so this is the foundation here. If we don't believe that God provides for us, if we don't believe what Paul said, that he will meet all of our needs, if we don't believe that, then what do we do? I mean, what do we, do we even pray anymore? And if we pray, how much faith do we have in that prayer? We shouldn't have to cross our fingers and hope he hears us. That's not how it works. We come to Jesus and we know what his word says. We pray that in faith saying, God, I believe you for this. Meet my needs. So the same God who met your needs before is the same God that can do it again. Paul, I'm sorry, Elijah, Elijah saw God as provider. But secondly, and you may not be expecting this one, but I think Elijah saw God as not only a provider, but he also saw, saw God as being very patient. Okay, now we're going to get into our business here. Because I would love to tell you, I would love to expect that every person under the sound of my voice, whenever a setback comes, they would say, Oh, Father, I know that thou shalt take care of me. Well, that's not how the mom reacted. And it's not how Elijah reacted either. Want to see how they reacted? Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. And he grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, look at this statement of faith. You ready for this? What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come here to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? Yikes. Then Elijah says, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, listen to this. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Okay, okay. Let's, Let's pause here for a moment. This is Elijah. We, we sing a song called Days of Elijah. Okay? Some of you like it. <laughs> Hopefully all of you. Even our friends watching us online. Some of you like. And, 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 but, but when we think of Elijah, we don't think of a man who, who said, Really, God? We think of him as the, as the hero, as the one who called down fire. We'll get to that story later. But right now... Elijah is not having a good moment. Have you been there? Maybe you're there now. This mom, who has been taken care of by God, is now saying, hey, man of God, are you trying to kill my kid? Trying to remind me of my... I mean, whoa. That's a nasty email. Then Elijah's praying this prayer, and it doesn't really sound like a whole lot of faith right there, does it? And I'm reminded, I'm reminded when, when 
Do you remember the story in the New Testament when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat and there was a storm that took place? And the disciples are in the boat and they see Jesus and, and, and he's not standing at the stern saying, I've got this. What's he doing? He's sleeping. He is sleeping. Jesus was a sleeper. Let me tell you, he took naps. If Jesus took naps, I should too. Can you say amen? All right, back to the sermon. So, and, and, and their prayer, their prayer to Jesus, it wasn't very faith-filled. They actually looked at Jesus and said, don't you care if we drown? Yikes. Do you ever have a weak moment? Spiritually? Where you, Sunday you were doing good, but then like Tuesday afternoon, setback, or maybe Monday morning, setback, and, and, and then your view of God is all of a sudden different, all of a sudden you're saying, really, Lord? Don't you even care? I've done all this for you, and, and, and this is how you repay me? I mean, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you all here. Maybe some of you have prayed those kind of prayers. God, I've served you for so long. How in the world can I go through this kind of stuff? God, I know what your word says. Why am I feeling this way? God, what is going on here? That doesn't sound like a very, very faith-filled, strong prayer. In fact, it sounds like a pretty weak moment, but I've got good news for each and every one of you here today. God is so patient. He is very patient with our weak moments. You know, I'm glad that God didn't say, okay, okay, smart Alec, tell you what, the kid lives, you die. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Man, I, I tell you, if, if you've ever read through the Psalms, there are some prayers, <laughs> there, there are some prayers in the Psalms that are just gut level, honest. Some prayers that maybe we would not dare to pray because American Christianity has tried to tell us that you've got to get your prayer right in order to get your blessing. So you got to say this, claim this, profess this, post this, this, blah, 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 blah. And then, then when things don't happen, you think, what did I do wrong? What, did I pray right? Did, did I, oh, what, what's wrong with me? Could I remind you that the mom and Elijah didn't do anything wrong for this setback to take place? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I will overcome the world, Jesus said. And it's not you. Sometimes bad things happen to really, really good people like you. And I know you don't want to hear this, but understand, understand that the story doesn't end here. The story doesn't end here. But God is so patient. And if you've been a little bit weak, if your faith in God and your trust in God hasn't been that strong lately, God is so patient. Oh, And God is so merciful. He's way more patient than you are. And he's way more merciful than we are. And he's not going to let that stop him from seeing his will accomplished. Can you say amen? 
Elijah saw God as provider. Secondly, he saw God as being patient. Thirdly, <laughs> uh, he saw God as being a little bit uh, peculiar. Some of you might not like that choice of word, but it started with P, so. <laughs> so I used it. But look, look at the methods that were used to see this miracle come about. Verse 22. He stretched himself out on the boy three times. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the service, for those of you who need prayer, I will, no, I won't, I will not be doing that. <laughs> and they never saw them again. Uh, he stretched himself out on the boy three times, and he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Now, you might be asking, why, why did Elijah go about it this way? And I, I will tell you, I tell you, I did a search. I studied the, the Hebrew, uh, the original language. I've checked with theologians. I got all kinds of commentaries, really good stuff. Do you know what I found out? I have no idea. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have no idea. God just could have said, hey, he's healed. But for some reason, he chose to use, and I'm not telling you to imitate a method here. And let me just pause here and tell you, this is where a lot of Christians get it wrong. Because we think that if we imitate a method, that we're going to get our answer. And that is not necessarily true. We're not going to have a stretch-out ministry here at Bethel Church as a result of this sermon. It's not going to happen. What's the, what's the point here? There are times that God will often use some strange methods, methods that seem strange to us in order to accomplish his will. See, for me, the hardest part for me is not necessarily praying for the miracle. It's praying about the method. It's, it, it, it's not the what. I've got enough confidence in the what. I've got enough confidence in the result. I got enough confidence that God's going to take care of me. You know what freaks me out? It's it's the methods that he uses to answer my prayers. Because again, I'm a type A control freak. So I've got a pl- I've got a plan. Not supposed to amen there. Uh, so I've I've got a plan. I got a plan. How many planners in the house? Not all of you are, I've seen you. But some of you, you're planners, okay? So I got a plan, I got a script, I got a way of doing things, and God messes with my script. And it forces me to trust him instead of trusting the method. God might be using a method that doesn't make sense to you. He might be meeting your financial need in a way that was different than what you had hoped. He might be touching your family in a way that is different than how he had ho- you had hoped he would do. But understand, understand, God does all things well. 
and may I liberate you from having to try to figure God out and try to understand how he does things and why he does things. I have settled it in my mind. In Isaiah chapter 58, we read that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts and God's ways are higher than my ways. And I've got my way of doing things, but God's ways are bigger and higher and better. And, and, and that, that journey from trying to escape my plan to God's plan, that's called trust. And so God actually builds my faith when I not only trust him for the answer, but for me, it's how he does it. Why are you doing it that way, God? It seems a little bit more difficult than how I thought it was going to be, God. God, I don't understand what you're doing here. Lord, I had a plan for you. I know we got like 8 billion people. I just thought I'd make the work lighter for you. And God says, no, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. And it might not make sense to you, but I've got a plan. So I, to the Elijahs in here who are wondering, why, why am I going through this? Why do I have to do this? Understand that God has a plan and his plans are always perfect. And I got one more. Jonathan, if you can start making your way up here. Finally, he saw God as powerful. He saw God as provider. He saw God as patient. He saw God as a bit peculiar. But in the end, he saw God as powerful. Now, that's a journey for some of us. This little four-step journey that I just gave you, some people think that, well, okay, that'll happen in five minutes. And that's not always the case. But look at verses 23 through 24. It says, then he stretched, or what is the scripture? is 22 through 24. It says, then he stretched himself out on the boy three times. And he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Elijah picked up the child. Listen to this. He carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. You know what struck me when I, what I just read? You know what struck me? The woman had already seen God do great things. But it was after this miracle, she said, now I know. Hmm. Hmm. I'm talking to the church crowd right now. I'm talking to those of you who have seen God move in the past. I'm talking to those of you who have seen answers. You've seen answers to prayer. You've seen miracles. You've seen God do the supernatural. You, you've seen things in the past. But what, what does it take? What does it take for you to finally say, okay, now I know that he's God. Now I know that everything that's in the word of God is true. Now I know that this is real. Now I know this is authentic. Now I know that this is genuine. To Let today be that day. Because he is powerful. He's able. 
He can do it. See, what begins as a setback will transform into the supernatural. Oh, did you see that? It almost minimizes things when I call what this widow went through as a setback. So pick your terms. Whatever becomes, whatever starts as trouble can become a triumph. My thesaurus and my internal thesaurus is only working about out of five right now. So, but do you get it? What started as a difficulty, now, 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 God, God can, God can transform that into an answer. And could it be Elijah? See, because let's let's understand, okay? We we feel for the mother in this story, but we're not sure how long Elijah had been staying with this family, but it wasn't just like three hours, okay? It had been a little while. The scripture just tells us sometime later. And we know that there was enough food for Elijah and the whole family, so a lot of eating had been taking place. <laughs> this is how I usually time things, by how much do I eat? And, and, uh, and, and, and so they had spent some time together. I have no doubt that Elijah had had a bit of a bond with the, 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 the widow and with this boy. So please, don't, don't underestimate the, the, the emotion that Elijah was feeling at this setback as well. Okay? So there's a lot of emotion going on here. And after it's all said and done, now I know. Elijah, could it be that the emotion... And the setback that you're feeling right now, God has just allowed that to take place in your life so that, are you ready for this? So, so that somebody else in your life can look and say, now I know. You got people watching you at work and they know what you're going through. They know what you're facing. Could it be that God has allowed that? Because he already knows what the end result is going to be. He knows what the triumph is going to be. He knows what the answer is going to be. He knows the supernatural is coming. He knows. He knows. But what he also knows is that some of those co-workers or some of those fellow students on the campus students or some of your friends on the school or, or some of the people that you work out with or that you do life with or that you live near or live with, that they will see what God has done as a result of this miracle that he has in store, and it will cause them to say, now, now I know that God's real. Now I know that everything she says, it's legit. Now I know it's not just about going to church and hearing some guy yell for an hour and a half. Now, now I know, now I know there's some truth to this. Now I know See, it's not always about you. Sometimes your setbacks aren't about you. Sometimes they're also about the people around you. And if you'll just hang in there, if you'll just trust God, if you'll take that journey from your plan to his plan, that's trust. That's the name of that journey. And we don't like that trip, but if we just stay in the car, 
Stay on that trip. God will do it. But you have no idea the impact that it might have on somebody else. I'm reminded in the Psalms, I don't have it on the screen, but it says many will see what God has done and they will put their faith in him. It's my prayer, Elijah. It's my prayer that as you survive the setback, that you would understand that there are people whom God has placed around you that will see what God has done and they will say, now, I know. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me? I wonder if there's any Elijahs in the house here today. I wonder if there's anybody who can identify with the characters in this story. Setback. You can survive the setback. Today, I want to invite you to do what the people in this story did and just pray an honest prayer to God. Now, you need to come around and realize that God's not all about how you feel. God is about what his word says. Should I say that one more time? God, I feel this way. Well, that's not me. What does his word say? And, and, and so maybe, maybe your prayer can start a little weak, but, but maybe as God reminds you who he is, he transformed that. I want to ask the Elijahs in here who are facing setback to pray and then trust Trust not only that he will do it, but how he does it. That's my prayer for you. No matter what your setback is, Elijah, pray. And then trust. Trust him. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to open up these altars for you to pray. Or maybe you feel more comfortable praying at your seat. I just want you to pray. And Elijah, would you... Would you Would you cry out to God today? Just in the way that you need to. And and ask God to help you take that trip from your understanding to his understanding. And let's see what the Lord might do. In fact, let's see what God does not only for you, but let's also see what he does through you. Can you say amen? And so when you're done praying today, I invite you to fellowship with one another in the lobby. But I do feel that there are some people in here, you just need to have an honest conversation with God and God is ready for you. He can handle what you have to say and let's have some conversations with Jesus and let's walk out of here with a trust in what he will do and let's see what he does, amen? So Jesus, I pray that you would be with every single person within the sound of my voice who is facing setback. God, I pray that our setbacks would become supernatural. But Lord, we have to get a proper view of who you are. So Lord, if we're doubting your methods, God, even if we're doubting who you are, I pray that your word would come alive to us again. Lord, if we're doubting your methods, I pray, God, that you would take us on that journey of trust so that we know that we could trust not only in who you are, but how you do things. And Lord God, I pray that you would take 
our lives, our prayers, and everything in God that we would see such good things take place that the people around us can say, now I know that God is real. So Lord, meet with every single person who needs to meet with you today. And God will thank you for all that's done. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. If you need to pray for you,